Movies and Booze on Moncrief. Brought to you by Lidl's award-winning wine range. Lidl. More for you. Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie. 53106 is our text number that will cost you 30 cents. You can follow us on Twitter or send us an email to afternoon at newstalk.com. It is, indi- it is indeed uh, time for uh, Moves in the Booze. We are joined uh, by Fanula Jones, Leslie Williams and Esther McCarthy. Good afternoon to you all. Hi there. Hi, Sean. You're all there. That's good. That's good to hear. You didn't, you didn't, didn't need to say hello I, I, there. It's radio. Waving doesn't work <laughs> in this particular medium. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Greek wines Greek today, wines today, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, and because we, we don't really get to talk about them very often. Um, and we should. There's not that many in the country, but the ones that are are good. Um, there's a point of winemaker trying to bring wine into Ireland that's not good because our taxes are so bloody high, you know. <laughs> so so we tend to seek out the good ones. But yeah, even like even the supermarkets have them, you know, uh, sometimes, right. you know. Um, so yeah, I've got a white, uh, the most famous white grape variety and arguably the best red grape variety. Um, so Assertico and Agiorgitico. Right, okay. And we're going to be drinking them out of fancy uh, well, uh, Riedel well, uh, wine yeah, yeah. Well, they're tumblers now. I hope you can cope with this. Yeah. How do you, you don't say Riedel. How do you pronounce it? Proper? Riedel, I think. It's yeah. Riedel. Riedel. Is it? That's yeah. okay. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. there's been some dispute about that before. Uh, well, just as the bit of German I have, you would say Riedel. Riedel. So it's Riedel. Riedel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Why so, are they better than any other glasses? Um, well, they're, they're not. They're not. I don't think they're the best glass, and they're. Okay. You know, I mean, I think that they're a really solid glass. Now, this is the tumbler, the stemless version, uh, and I've actually got Syrah glasses here. I like the fact that they're in different shapes for different grapes. Um, these work out at about uh, about a tenner each or something, which I okay, think is well, that's fair. All right. You know, all right. I thought they were really astronomically expensive. No, I mean, the hand blown, like I have a hand blown Sauternes glass, which I think costs about eighty euro. Wow. But I picked it up cheap in Brent Thomas for 25 euros because no one was buying it at 70 euros and then they reduced it and yeah. reduced it and yeah. reduced it. Um, it's very pretty. Um, the Zalto glasses are probably would be slightly to my preference. They're even better. They're hand-blown as well. But they're like about 25, 30, um, which is expensive, but it's like it's, yeah. you could cope with that. Um, but, but, but as a basic, straightforward entry-level glass or... 10 to 20 euro Greedle are excellent and they're right. hard to okay. beat at that level. Yeah. And, and your hand-blown Sauternes so glass you only have the one? I have two. You have two? And I, to be fair I have 10 years and I've never broken them which is amazing. Well, but that's good. But, but you don't drink a lot no, of Because like, when you're pouring out the Sauternes there's more than two people there like yeah. you're just going oh, you can have yours in a cup. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> I've, I've broken a Zalto glass because they're incredibly fine. They're so thin. Um, mm. I'll bring those in someday and let you have a taste out of them. And, and, like, and why does... Why or why is it the notion of drinking out of or does it actually do something well, to make they the wine are just, taste well, I think it's that they're so thin. I mean, they, they are almost not there. I mean, you pick it up and you almost forget you're actually holding it. It's so light, the Zalto. And Riedel would be a bit firmer than that. These are machine blown, but they're good. There's a, I don't, I think these are the, 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 the there's a consumer version and a retail and a, and a wholesale version, which is so restaurants use a non-crystal version, which is sturdier and won't break as often. Right. So if you be nice to somebody in Mitchells who import them, they might they might give you those. Um, and they're they're sturdier and they're, they're exactly the same in terms of quality, I find. Um, but the, the sort of consumer version has a bit of crystal in them and is a bit finer, but I, I don't notice any difference and they break quicker. Yeah. But I dropped one of these and caught it, like it bounced and I caught it. Right. If it, okay. if it lands at the right angle, it'll bounce. Yeah, but don't. We won't <laughs> test that out now. Uh, uh, but don't tempt me. Uh, and uh, our two movies today, uh, Esther, uh, the uh, one animated and one Irish. Yes, and I learned a word the, a word this week from an animated film. Sean, how's your week going? Yes. <laughs> um, I have never heard of a kinkajou. I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing it properly. Okay. I assumed when I was watching the film that it was fictional. And it was only when I went to look it up um, to spell it that I saw this cute little kind of um, South American first cousin of a raccoon. 
uh, Luke and me and went, how did I get to this hour of my life without knowing that this was a word? Right. Um, so, yeah. Have you heard of it out of interest? No, I just Googled it now. And the first thing, that, one of the first things that came up was Kinkajou for sale Ireland. I thought it was just me, right? It's the whole, like, it's a, it's a mad word as well. It's a wonderful word. Um, and anyway, he is Vivo and he is the star of um, the new movie called Vivo which features, um, he's voiced by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who is suddenly everywhere. Like, he's almost like a benevolent and more talented James Corden. Suddenly he's in every film, he's doing everything. (laughs) That's that's the definition of everyone is a more talented and benevolent James Corden. (laughs) Yeah, so he's writing all of the songs here, which is what people will really want to know who are Lin-Manuel Miranda fans. But he's also voicing this... um, I'm going to say the word again, Kinkajou, yeah. which is a real thing. He's voicing that character and it's a really sweet animated film. I would say in the mode of Pixar, um, a kind of a universal story, not just for kids. This one, this one's going to work for everybody. Right. But it, I, presumably it kind of refers, uh, it would reflect more his kind of jazz hands uh, background. You know, it's set in Cuba, so you, it's, you're just getting a wealth of gorgeousness here. You know, he's he's taking his musical background and, and setting it to a Cuban beat. Right. It just like That's so, it's, it's in Cuba. I, I would imagine that would be, uh, so there's many states in the US where it won't be showing then. <laughs> are they at the stage where they're banning animated movies now? I uh, well, I, I would imagine they're at the stage they don't want to show Cuba in anything of a good light. Uh, Actually, as, it's set in Cuba and Florida and the character is... Um, go back and forth quite easily from one place to the other, which is quite interesting. Oh dear. Okay, so this would be an Obama era kind of uh, uh, movie then. Uh, And and The Boys from the County Hell, which is a great title. It's great, isn't it? uh, I liked this a lot as well. I have to say we've got two good films this week. This is um, an Irish filmmaker by the name of Chris Bow, who made a really good film uh, about four years ago called Bad Day for the Cush, uh, a, a horror comedy set in Northern Ireland, which is on Netflix now, by the way, if you haven't seen it. Uh, and this is his second feature. It's um, it's taken the vampire genre movie and uh, adding a dose of Northern, Northern Irish no-nonsense humour into it. And it's a lovely mix. And we should be doing more of it. Um, and we are doing more of it, actually. I think there's a lot of... Um, Genre, in particular horror, psychological thriller is coming out of Ireland at the moment and audiences internationally are lapping them up. And I think it's a sign really of a strong indigenous film industry when people aren't afraid to go, you know, let's make these stories in our own voices um, because actually we're kind of cool the way we talk and we're kind of funny. And uh, let's have faith in audiences to get it. And I think that's what's happening and that's what you're seeing now. Um, even, even with films like The Young Offenders, like it, it, that went international, you know, mm-hmm. people thought that they might need um, they might need subtitles outside of course City even to watch it. But it went and travelled all over the world. And, and, and I think it's a really interesting time for that um, because there is a huge audience out there for genre filmmaking, for horrors, um, which are inexpensive to make and tend to be quite profitable. Um, and I think I love they, you know, they've gone down familiar territory here, but they've taken some cuts to it as well they're kind of changing the vampire 
movie rules a little, kind of messing off a bit, and I liked it for that. Okay, that's good. Uh, uh, That is indeed uh, good to hear. The hashtag, by the way, is uh, Marion Gate Movies. Uh, Three cheese boards outside government buildings, (laughs) Dublin being one example uh, of that. Uh, Asked your booze expert about ice in wine. Was watching A Place in the Sun yesterday on TV, and at the start of it, the couple were drinking white wine with ice cubes. I don't drink wine. Absolutely despise it, actually. But this seems wrong on so many levels. Then you're entitled to an opinion, I would have thought. Uh, Why not drink something cold? No, no, absolutely. um, So, I mean, look... I mean, I know people in the wine business who think this is an appalling thing to do, but most of us in the wine business will happily throw a few ice cubes in. The problem is if you get a dilute, you don't want to dilute, so to leave them in so long that they melt mm. and then you're yeah. drinking watery wine, you don't want that. But dropping a couple of, a one big ice cube to just bring down the temperature a degree or two and then taking it out, I've often done that in bars, I've done it in restaurants. Like there's nothing you can do to fix a wine that's too warm. I mean, you take, well, you can t- stick it in an ice bucket for 10, 15 minutes in iced water. But no, I, I mean, I'm, I've seen people in Italy, for example, order white wine with ice. Um, most oh, okay. champagne no I mean like uh, yeah. and it's common to drink uh, chilled red wine in, yeah. in many parts uh, of the continent as well but yeah if it's a really hot day in Venice or something like that I, um, and like sophisticated people not not, not you know yes. <laughs> <laughs> not, <laughs> not like not like for instance Matt in Galway uh, who says does it really matter where you drink wine from sometimes I use a mug and yeah, my wife yeah. looks at me in disgust I don't notice any difference in taste says Matt well it, it won't it will go to the back of the, the tongue rather than the front of the tongue so that, that makes it slight difference and just there's something nice about drinking from a thinner glass like your standard Paris goblet the kind of rest wine glass we all had years ago and that you get in your pound shop they're not good because they're just too thick rimmed so the thinner the rim the better and a mug is a thick rim so that, so drink out ah. of the china teacups is what he should be drinking out of rather than the uh, the mugs that would work honestly a china teacup would work quite well I would say you know alright uh, okay I mean, I mean I thought when Matt says I don't notice any difference I think it's the wife looking at him with disgust but you know like, you know, it's better to drink that Look, that's better than a bottle, right? Drinking it, necking it from the bottle, you don't really get the same flavour. You know? uh, right, okay. <laughs> Andy, tip there. <laughs> Sophisticates out there. Put frozen grapes in white wine to keep it cool and it oh, won't dilute, says Yvonne. That is a very good idea. I have, never, I have not thought of that. And, and there's also, I mean, you can buy these kind of frozen, it's a bit True. gimmicky, these frozen stone things yeah. that you put in whiskey. Wh- whiskey like, exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I mean, but look, chill out. It's just a glass of wine. Like, if it's really fine, you know, just wait. You know, drink something else and wait for it to get cold. Yeah. Um, but if it's an inexpensive wine and it's it's warm, like pubs, the wine in pubs is usually horrible because it's warm. I mean, mm. we should be drinking wine at, at so room temperature is not the temperature of a room in Ireland. It's the temperature of a castle in the 19th century. Right? So it's sort of 16, 14 degrees. Okay, right? that's so chillier. Which is cool, yeah. you know. So like room temperature is 22, 25 degrees. That's too warm, way too warm. The wine tastes soupy. It doesn't taste nice. And restaurants often store their wine over the fridges, which is guaranteed to make them bake and you'll be served at about 32 degrees. It's, oh, yeah. so in those, just drop an ice cube. Relax, people. It's just a glass of wine. Ice is fine. Yeah. Yeah. men in mucky boots, you know, and women <laughs> yeah. in mucky boots. Uh, okay, so Fanula uh, uh, um, South Park are the creators of, are getting a bit of work. Great to hear, because they were stuck. $900 million deal is what this is uh, for 14 movies with the MTV Entertainment Studios. And it's it's basically a deal where they're going to be doing a lot of content for them for Paramount Plus, which is like another new streaming service over in the States. Um, So they're doing 14 new movies. I think it's two every year beginning this year. Ah, And I think some of them are going to be South Park Park movies. And there's also... uh, they're renewing the actual series through to season 30. I think they're either currently on season 25 or the next season is season 25, which just 
boggles the mind. I don't think I know anyone who actively still watches South Park. But somebody anyway, must be. Somebody must be, yeah. So the first two films... There's always gr- a new generation of stoners. Yes. <laughs> very true, very true. Um, so the first two films are kind of, they're looking at it that it's going to be like one big story kind of broken into two halves. Um, but the actual series itself has been on hiatus because the pandemic. They did a couple of hour long specials remotely um, because their studios are closed. So yeah, we're basically going to have South Park coming out of our ears and eyes for the foreseeable future. I think uh, right through to 2027. So Well, I suppose wow. it's just, that's what streaming services yeah. do. They kind of, if they're going to get off the ground, they have to throw a load of money mm. at a big name. But the gas thing is, if you're in America and you're trying to watch South Park, like any of the back catalogue, it's all on HBO Max. Nice. So it's if you want to go back and watch any of like the old or started from the beginning, like it's on a completely rival streaming service which is gas, so maybe they just didn't have enough uh, mm-hmm. money for the lads for yeah. Trey Parker or Matt Stone, so, yeah. Right, well, they're, they're, they're all right now. Uh, they're okay. fine. Uh, they're fine. Th- uh, thanks for that, Fanula. Uh, <laughs> all the other news Fanula will bring us are all like rebates or, or remakes and prequels, uh, pretty much. You know, the usual standard Hollywood ends. fare uh, at this point of the, uh, of the proceedings. Uh, Adrienne says, my sister and I were on a cycling trip to the Burgundy region in France in a restaurant called Noia sur Serene. Uh, we had a bottle of Mercury Premier Cru, which is about half the price we'd have expected to pay right. and the owner explained that he didn't serve it in the appropriate glasses as he would have had to hire someone to clean those glasses specially <laughs> so he charged less for the wine and put the ordinary glasses in the dishwasher uh, and someone else of course people will argue with you now if you want to drink wine from something thin then why not a plastic cup if it's a, the right shape of a plastic cup yeah but it'd be like if you just cut a, a pet PET 7-Up bottle in half it's going to be a bit rough and just not be pleasant to drink of but if it was a finely crafted nicely cut plastic glass yeah I, you know, an electric picnic you have to drink it at plastic glasses and it's actually you know no, not lately no, no, uh, whoops sorry too <laughs> soon to make jokes uh, the uh, JB says I ran out of ice having a few Baileys dropped a few frozen cauliflower lumps and it worked a treat <laughs> no, sorry no uh, yeah, we can't endorse that. That's uh, awful. Someone else says even a cup of tea tastes better from a fine china well, cup. Exactly. That's true. You see, and Claire says uh, frozen grapes are manky. They're like a furry <laughs> ball in your mouth. No one enjoys a furry ball in their mouth. Let me tell you, says Claire. A revealing comment, Claire. We'll uh, we'll we'll park that one, uh, uh, Leslie. So let's move on to our first wine of the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, voila, this is called. Um, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it in Greece, uh, but uh, V-O-I-L-A, um, which is a plane in um, Crete. And the wine is from Spain, sorry, Italy. Oh, dear me, Spain, Italy. From Greece's most famous grape, Assyrtico. Mm. Um, A-S-S-Y-R-T-I-K-O. Uh, this is from Lyrarakis, who are an organic uh, biodynamic producer in Crete. Uh, their wines are excellent. They're in places like, I think, uh, Bradley's. I know J.G. Driscoll's used to have them. Wicklow Wine Company definitely does. Clontarf Wines, 64 wines in Clontarf for certain um, Puelahan's wines I think as well um, they, it's, it's vegan and all the rest and so on and, and they're a youngish company um, but Assertico what's interesting about Assertico is it is the grape of Santorini the, if you think of pictures of Greece and you see those white buildings with the dome sort of shapes that's mm-hmm. Santorini okay, which is where this grape originates and where they grow it most famously it's worth looking up Assertico or vines Santorini and you'll see they're planted like a little nest because it's so windy and dry that they have to sort of protect them from the winds because they're in an island. And uh, it's really, really cute. There are all these little like sort of um, circular vines all around planted. Um, it's a grape with loads of acidity and loads of fragrance and loads of fruit. And I think this is actually lovely. It's even better than the last oh, one. Oh no, it is lovely. And yeah. I, I always think there's a, there's a kind of a distinct yeah. taste on a Greek wine, but I can't tell you what it is. But you kind of, uh, there's something slightly different. Um, 
Um, that's interesting you say that. Yeah. Um, these lovely pear, kind of tropical touches, but it's so crisp and dry. It's so refreshing. It's a grape that will age because of all the acidity. They have to kind of tone down the acidity in this sometimes. So anyone's looking for a dry white wine, the so called, you know, mm. this is a really good example. There's versions in uh, O'Brien's, the Gaia version, I'll have their red later, um, is there. There's one, uh, one direct import, one from Thessalonica. Um, I mean, Greece, look, 4,000 years ago, they were, sorry, yeah, about 4,000, 5,000 years ago, they were growing grapes. I mean, they yeah. should be much more successful. The problem is they kept getting invaded and their economy was just in an awful state for so mm. many years. But since the crash in 2008, a lot more women are making wine, they're exporting, so you are starting to see more. Look, Little used to have a muscat of Samos for a tenor that was delicious, a dessert wine. Wow, and they used okay. to have an assertico. I mean, so you will find them, but you've got to look a little bit. Yeah. The, I wonder, the, the, the awful fires that they've been having there. Has yeah, and it, 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 exactly. And it, that, uh, now, this is from the, um, the Peloponnese, is, is, I don't think it was as badly affected as, as the northern part. Well, I could be wrong on this, I'm not sure. Um, um, but yeah, but it is, it's going to be a really tough uh, vintage um, this, this year yeah. for all over Europe. I mean, places like Burgundy, it's just going to increase the prices because everyone going to just buy their wines anyway. Yeah. So buy your Burgundy this year if you can. <laughs> but, uh, Paddy says, has your wine man tried uh, Killahora rare apple ice wine from I the orchards of East Cork? Absolutely have. It is stunning. It is. Yeah. They make an amazing cider called something apple. Um, not but it, I, uh, well, yeah. Not surprising. Apple something apple, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, they make a and they make a perry, a pear wine, and then they oh, make right. and they make a dessert wine version of the apple. It's stunning. It's absolutely stunning. And, right. Uh, they're, and they're really interesting what they're doing. They're planting hundreds of different varieties of apple in this huge area, um, not far from Middleton, that sort of East Cork area. Um, and it's oh, what they're doing is really, really exciting and potential for the future. And you know. Uh, and somebody else is texting it to say South Park has moved past the crude humour it started with. It's very political and topical. Defensive, not. Got the last season I saw about internet trolls. Was yeah. just, oh, like, Esther, was... uh, what movie would you like to talk about first? Will we slay a few vampires? Will okay, we? Let's that's do right. Boys from County Hell. Good stuff. The Boys from County Hell coming up after this. Some things are older than science, older than God. The earth has its own secrets. And if you get close enough, you'll hear it. Haven't you guys got anything better to do? Nope. No, we don't. I'd love to know if there's actually anything under there. We'll find out soon enough. I saw something weird. Who's fucked that? This, I'm out! That's the Boys from the County Hell, also, uh, which is also a song by the Pogues, uh, I'm told. So, Esther, uh, where are we in the country? Is this one of these films made in Ireland where somebody walks through a door in Leitrim and suddenly they're in, yeah, they're in Monaghan? No, it's it, it was filmed up in County Tyrone, actually, where uh, the filmmaker Chris Ball is from. Um, you're, it's never specified what the location is, but you're left in no doubt that this, if you're an Irish person watching this, that this is a Northern Irish comedy thriller, you know, um, the accents are there. Um, the pitch black humour is there, uh, um, but I think it's trying to be a, a little broader for, you know, what we talked about um, international audiences earlier and, and the fact that this film has the legs to travel. Uh, so what they're doing, I think it's great success, first of all, and it's really hard to do this with a movie is that tension, real real kind of proper horror tension and gore and a smattering of great gags coexist peacefully in the film. But you never feel like one is being sacrificed for the other. Um, and I think that takes confident and shrewd um, filmmaking to be able to pull that off, to be laughing, 
your hat off at one minute and going, oh, God, don't go into the basement the next, you know. Um, so it takes the idea that Bram Stoker had strong Irish connections and kind of runs a mile with that. Because uh, let's face it, it's a vampire film. You can make up whatever rules you like. Sure. Uh, so it, it turns to the... Uh, this is a big story in Irish folklore, actually, of a of a character by the name of Abertok. He was um, an Irish vampire who was refu- reputed to have stalked the countryside for his victims. So they take that idea um, that this undead character would ret- return from the earth to feast on the blood of whoever crossed his path and they make a genre movie with it. So, so it's just a really, really good idea, you know. So it's set in this kind of sleepy town um, called Six Mile Hill, so a fictional town where the locals have great fun with the idea that Stoker has what are very tenuous connections with the place. Um, these, This is a village that's cashing in on a very, very vague um, <laughs> connection to Stoker, basically. He stayed there once, you know, that's kind of the vibe. Um, and they kind of milk the tourists. You know, this is so Irish. Like, there's a load of lads in a pub with, with, with you know, the tab has run out in the pub and some tourists come in looking for the ancient burial ground. And the the lads in the pub say, we'll take you up there. And they go, what's the price? And then next scene, the very next scene, you see them with a bag of cans. Yeah. So the lads are doing the tour guide <laughs> for a bag of cans. Um, and it's, you know, they bring them up, they fool around with them. They kind of, you know, f- frighten them into believing it's real and have great fun with that, with the blow-ins. Uh, but... These are all construction workers who work together, uh, led by a character by the name Francie Moffat, who's played by Nigel O'Neill, who's really great here. Um, and they one day disturb um, a burial tomb in which this Irish vampire Abertock is rumoured to, re- to rest. So you know what happens, Sean, when you disturb a, an ancient burial tomb? Oh, in yeah. Ireland, don't I always you? avoid that. I don't that. need to tell yeah. you. Especially with a bag of cans. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to tell you any more than that. So it's set over one night of terror kind of following that. And what he, uh, Chris Bow does here as well, because you can, because it's a vampire film, the usual vampire stuff doesn't work on this guy, right? Uh, so forget about putting the sake through the heart. It's not going to work with Abertuck. Um And he also brings in a really nifty device for no better reason, I think, than, than it's really cinematic and looks great on screen. And why not? Uh, is that Abertock has such power that he doesn't need to reach the uh, the good the good vein on your neck to draw blood. Mm-hmm. He can actually do it if he's nearby, um, and he that blood is um, drawn through kind of the points where it's easiest to get blood out of. So cue people's people bleeding out of their eyes. Sorry, you probably won't want to hear about this at the moment. <laughs> um, but there's some too very soon. kind of too soon. There are some really kind of epic graphic looking scenes of people re- realizing they're bo- dying even while they're sitting in their house watching telly because the blood starts to come out of their eyes. And then it flashes back as well. Um it that's a great opening scene and then it flashes back to this crowd of misfits and uh, the trouble they cause for the village. And I had great fun with this, I have to say. It um, does that, you know, I, I can't impress enough how hard it is to get comedy and, and scares right in there with each other, you know. Um, you can really lose an audience quite easily if you don't get that right. Um, and I think... It's the latest film from from Chris Bow, who's you know he's gonna he's gonna this film's gonna travel. I just have that feeling about it, and I think it's a really interesting time for Irish horror because it's not something we're traditionally connected with. Um, but there's a heap of them coming up, uh, mm. and we've had a few recent 
in recent yeah in the last couple of years that have traveled really well as well i'm thinking of um the hole in the ground starring shauna kerslake which was horror but very much irish um and took that genre and brought our own kind of language to it and i think it's really interesting and good in fact that film was so well received that lee cronin who directed it was snapped up by Hollywood to make a new Evil Dead movie. So that's right. what he's going to be working on next. So, you know, people are paying attention, you know, both audiences and executives. Um, I'm thinking of Lorcan Finnegan's psychological thriller, Vivarium as well, which travelled really well. And even Nessa Hardiman's film last year uh, called Sea Fever, which was set on a trawler um, in the west of Ireland, but had... Um, monster creatures attach themselves to the hull of the ship. So very much a genre kind of scary movie as well. And, and that travelled really well. So I think it's an exciting time. And I think once once people see filmmakers doing that and, and, and finding audiences for it, you're just going to see more of that, you know. Um, this one is very, very effective, though. It's like, it's not perfect. It's an hour and a half as well. It knows it knows what a horror movie should be lengthwise and running time-wise. Uh, the young cast is great. Uh, you get seasoned old guard favourites like John Lynch is in here but the young cast is kind of like people like Jack Rowan who's the lead who I haven't seen in anything before actually he's very impressive and Louisa Harland gets to possibly lamp more monsters than most people and people will know her obviously from Derry from Derry Girls Mm. Uh, she's taking on a very different role here it's fun this it's good it's effective Um, it plays with it's it's you know it's having its cake and eating it because it's quite derivative of horror films of Frank of Dracula movies, but it's kind of tearing up the rule book as well. Which in like a, well, in a knowing way, it sounds like in a knowing way, exactly. And that northern humour is in there, and and, and uh, you know, as you heard in the clip, people tell each other where to go in right. the way that Irish people do. <laughs> and this one is in is in those cinemas. This is in cinemas, yeah. those, those cinema things, yeah. All the new from rage. From today. Yeah, from today. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's something you can go to. Uh, Mim in Cork texted in to say that she will all be delighted to know that she's going to Santorini tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, and she'll be thinking of us all uh, having a bottle of a Citrico when she's by the pool. No, none of us needed to hear that. But uh, there's men. But sure, that's part of the enjoyment. Uh, uh, it's not just going; it's knowing others aren't going. Exactly. Uh, isn't that the point? Uh, right. Okay. So, uh, Fanula, uh, she's all that. She's all that. Is getting, uh, which people don't know, is a film from. Uh, I had to look it up. 1999. 1999. Freddie Prince Jr. Whatever happened to him, or did he die? He's um. <laughs> Have he's I stumbled into Sarah Michelle Gellar, and he's very much kind of at home dad. Very okay, active on fine. the gram. Fine, yeah, great. That's, that's good. That's good, good to yeah. hear. All right, okay. He's good. fine, guys. We don't need to worry about Freddie yeah. Prince Jr. But yeah, it's coming back. It's getting it's kind of a. Copy the vampire slayer. I mean, come on, that's an yeah, achievement. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, he's very much. He's sorted yeah. for life. Yeah. Um, they're gender flipping it so it's he's all that uh, it's for Netflix uh, new cast but some of the people from the originals we have Rachel Lee Cook is here as kind of a side character Matthew Lillard is there not really sure who he plays but he turned up in the trailer but kind of leading the cast we have Addison Ray, who people will know if you have kids who use TikTok she is kind of the face of TikTok this is her first acting role um, and then we have a guy from Cobra Kai Robbie Keane not that Robbie Keane right. different Robbie Keane if you look him up um, it looks terrible if you go watch the trailer um, it's very much still like oh he takes off the beanie and everyone fancies him now because it's essentially Alison Ray plays this influencer character who is dumped by her boyfriend and she's kind of humiliated online about it afterwards 
and then for some reason has this bet with a friend to kind of make over the biggest loser in school to kind of try and get her back some clout or something. I'm not really sure. It's a very dated concept, but it's it'll be a fun it's, hate it's, it's Pygmalion. Uh, essentially yeah, yeah essentially. Uh, essentially or or my fair lady uh, yeah. the plot of that uh, right okay well while, while we're on the subject of flogging dead horses there's going to be a hunger games prequel yeah i was a huge fan of this franchise and the books and i'm not even remotely excited about this now maybe it's because they didn't actually read the prequel book that this is based on but basically yeah there's a prequel movie coming uh, they're looking to go into production the first half of 2022 and um, it's from francis lawrence who did the last three movies, that would have been Catching Fire, Mockingjay Part 1 and 2. Um, no news on an actual release. It'll probably be 2023, 2024. And it's based on the book from Suzanne Collins. It's The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. And it follows this 18-year-old from the capital who's tasked with mentoring one of the game's tributes. Um, but as their fate becomes more intertwined, things start getting complicated. So it's going right. to make hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, I, I, so does that mean it's like... It doesn't explain how the world got the way it got in in all the Hunger Games. I haven't read the book, so I'm sure someone is going to text it and immediately correct us on that. But I think think it does kind of explain that. But I think the focus is more on this story of these particular characters who kind of... I think it's based on the very first Hunger Games in which all these people are sent in and they have to kill each other, essentially. And so the movie won't have your woman with the miserable face in it. Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no word on it yet. I'm sure they'll get her in for some kind of cameo, you know what I mean? But a fan service. Right. Okay. If she'll do it. She hasn't actually done a lot yeah. of uh, big kind of screen stuff lately. She's kind of taking mm-hmm. a back seat. So. Good for her. Uh, Chris says that when you take cold showers, your blood rushes inward to protect your vital organs. When you warm up, the blood has been cleansed. It returns outward. Ergo the glow. I have no idea I was talking about. There was something to do with that. <laughs> Uh, vampire movies uh, your man sucking blood remotely must be using bluetooth says Alan uh. boom very good very good right uh, you are listening to the Moncrief Show and News Talk we're going to take a break uh, one more uh, movie uh, one more wine after this 53106 is our text number that will cost you 30 cents you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk Leslie, Esther and Fanula are still with us uh, for Movies and Booze we'll move swiftly on to our second wine of the day uh, Leslie, uh, which I've already had a sip on. It's lovely. It's nice, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Gaia is the producer and it's Azure Gitico. I checked this on the internet today. Okay, well done. Um, I've been saying, I've been, I've been giving it a hard G. It's a soft G, which means St. George and it's from Nemea, which is arguably the best wine region in, in Greece. It's the, that's the Peloponnese. That's a bit below, you know, the sort of raggedy bit at the bottom of Greece. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a northern bit attached to the rest of Europe and then there's a kind of an island, basically, this huge, big area. So you're on the sort of north, um, eastern side, I think, of, of that. Um, um, as you're getting to go, is, is the local grape. It it can make lovely rosé. In fact, it's a Gaia rosé, which I had thought about bringing, but I thought no red better, okay. um, which has just arrived. Um, and uh, they, they're, they're considered one of the icon companies of Nemea, of, of producers in the region. Um, not, I think, founded in the early '90s, so not not that long. But they their their icon one is a, is a the Gaia Estate wine, which is only made once every whenever they have a good vintage. They make it three four times a decade, and that's amazing. And that literally will last for 20, 30, 50 years. But this is very much entry level, but very much um, approachable. Eighteen ninety five, um, not okay. entry level, but it's yeah. but it's just it's it's a it's a fragrant grape, and but there's structure there, which is what I like about it. The sort of blackberries and violets and sort of scents mm. and fragrance, but also it 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 lingers and it has some structure, and you can see that it has a bit of heft and a bit of weight to it. Um, uh, one just mention a couple of other things Zino Mavro is the other grape you get from Greece that tends to be from up north Macedonia um, Thessalonica makes some Greek, Greek wines as well the islands all make wines um, there's interesting dessert wines um, your friend who's, that girl is going to Santorini 
Cicitroni Vinsanto, which is a um, not related to the Italian Vinsanto, but a, a, dry, a sweet Muscat, I think it's they use it for, or is it a dessert? It's a sweet dessert wine, anyway, that I've had, but mm. not not recently because there's none of it in Ireland. Um, but it, so Greece is interesting, and God knows they need our bit of foreign currency. And, well, this is true. <laughs> you know? uh, this is true. Do they? It, it, does it mostly tend to be single grape wines? Do they do blends? You no, know, there's blends. Yeah, and in fact, um, there's a Gaia uh, S version which is blended with Syrah, so they'll sometimes mix in Western grapes as well. Mm. But you. Well, but it, the, I like it's interesting to try the local grapes, and I, you know, oh yeah, what's you know, the point of going to Greece to have a Syrah? Or, exactly. you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's 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 Syrah and as you get to go. Um, so yeah, okay, that's lovely. That's lovely. And it's what eighteen ninety five. Eighteen ninety five. the bottle that's fourteen uh, percent. Yes, uh, so it's not too bad. Like that's it's not, not, too bad. not crazy. Yeah, uh, uh, G A I A. So is is the way that's spelled. A G I O R G I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I just remember the guy a bit. I'll, I'll instantly forget the rest of it. That's, uh... We should say southern Italy, by the way, has loads of Greek influence. Like it's actually a lot of the um, the early, you know, in Campania and stuff like that. It was a lot of Greeks that moved there and started making wines. I mean, Greece is massively important. And Nemea, by the way, is famous because that's where Hercules defeated the Nemean lion. And so like, mm. it's all parts of Dionysus and anybody who's interested in history and philosophy and, and mythology. Right. It's, okay, it's interesting that's interesting to look at. I'd say the, uh, the Italians don't like. Uh, admitting any sort of uh, 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 anything that, that they may owe the Greeks anything for, uh, for their wine. Right, uh, we'll move on uh, to our second movie of the day. It is Vivo. Uh, it's on Netflix. Here's a clip. And all I can do at the end of the day is play on, play on and keep the beat. Hey, Vivo, are you scared? You know, my dad used to sing to me when I was scared. So did Andres. Hey, we can sing Martha's song. That would cheer us up. I am here, just on another shore. Always in your corner, watching you soar. Drumming's in my blood. I can teach you if you want. You're going to teach me how to play drums? Here, Vivo. Check this out. Try a simple beat. <laughs> that thing you're doing is noise. Observe. You learn quick. I must be a really good teacher. There you go. That's uh, Vivo, uh, which is uh, available either now or in the very near future on Netflix. So uh, what's the plot of this, Esther? I mean, all you need to know about this is Lin-Manuel Miranda and Cuban music. Just see it. That's it. (laughs) It's great. It's it's on Netflix from today, actually. Uh, And it's about... Yeah, it's just the music is so lovely in it. It's so fantastic. And I'm kind of marvelling at him because I've been watching a lot of his work this year. Um, I loved In the Heights, by the way. I know it got it got differing reviews, but I thought it was fantastic. Um, and I'm just, you know, the minute the, the music cranks up in this film, you go, OK, that's Lin-Manuel Miranda. It's so identifiable, yet he's able to bring something new to it through different types and, and forms of music. And it's just, he's really just so talented. I can't quite get over him. I'm late to him, I suppose, but I'm, I'm shaking my head at what a songwriter he is now. Um, so this centres on the title character, um, a, a, a music-loving kinkajou, I never heard of it, and now I can't stop saying it, um, who is best friends with this older man. Uh, it's set in Havana, 
and it revolves around his character who loves to play music in the squares of Havana with his owner. He dances to the music and his owner's name is Andreas. Um, they can't speak the same language, so they bond together through their music and they're very close. Um, but one day, Andreas gets a letter out of the blue um, from a musician that he used to play with years and years earlier uh, by the name of Marta. Um, oh, this gets better. She's played. She's voiced by Gloria Estefan, of course. Perfect. Of course, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And she is inviting her old friend to a farewell concert in Miami in the hope of connecting with him again. And it all gets a bit a, a bit up, Sean. It's a bit. You'll be crying in, in a big scene. He's written a song. Um, this happens early in the film, by the way, so it's not a huge reveal. Uh, Andreas has written a song for her years earlier because he was going to profess his love for her. But he was just about to tell her he was in love with her. But she landed a major studio deal, which involved going on tour and traveling the world. So he didn't tell her. Um, and he's been wanting to tell her ever since and decides he's going to bring this love song to the gig. And then he dies. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was like in floods. Anyway, so poor old Vivo has to try and figure out um, how to get this leisure to... In what could be a major diplomatic incident, Joan, from from Cuba to Florida, mm. um, to deliver it to Marta, so she knows how he felt about her. So, uh, um, but the problem is, he's a small animal, so he needs a pal, he needs a friend, and luckily he meets um, at the funeral. He meets um, Gabby, who's Andreas's grandniece, and she's a Cuban American. She's very feisty and flamboyant. Um, despite the best efforts of her mother to kind of control her and she marches her own vibe. She's got purple hair and she's got fantastic um, costumes as well. So she's a great little character. And she decides she fancies going to this gig. She fancies a visit um, back to Florida and she's going to um, help Vivo make it to deliver the letter to Marta. Um, I was never so invested in a journey in my life, quite okay. frankly. Um, and, you know, this kind of jarred with me initially, but I think it's interesting for maybe younger audiences and just to show how broad this film is. Um, Gabby is not into tra- traditional Cuban music. So you get all the traditional music. And then when Gabby arrives, she um, is into her pop and her rap. And that initially jarred for me, but I think kids were, are going to love it, is what I would say. Um, particularly... There's an ear an earworm in here. There's a few of them, but especially her calling card, which is sung a few times through the course of the film, which is called My Own Drum. Um, it's a great song. So there kind of are perils along the way, though, including there's a giant python who is set on having kinkajou for dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a group of mean girls. <laughs> how who do they are... get how do they get over to, to, to uh, Cuba? Oh, sure, boats and planes and uh, automobiles and falling right. into water. You know, it's like, like 20 and... miles from Florida to Cuba. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, remember, plot hole. Do you remember, to point it out. <laughs> remember Miami Vice as well? They went yeah. across in a jet ski and I was mm. like, you can never get over from Florida to Miami or from Cuba to Miami and that. Anyway, these things that happen when you're watching films. Uh, so there are pearls. There's a group of mean girls, which I liked as well. Gabby is different and there's a little bullying kind of um, subtext story here. And, you know, they get served, hopefully, and, and and obviously. And I thought it was a busy, touching, maybe a little too busy, a little too chaotic at times. Maybe Anchor have more trust in its story and Anchor itself a little bit more. 
Um, but it is a sugar rush of a film for a family, for a young audience. It's lovely um, and has a lovely love story at its core, but a lot of a sense of fun as well. Um, some great songs. You and I was a, a highlight for me. And there's one called Running Out of Time as well. Um, and the, the lovely song at the uh, towards the end, which you hopefully get heard sung by the right person, which is called Marta's Letter. Uh, I liked this a lot. This was made, you know, you've been asking me about about what was going to happen with films that were getting made for cinema release in the last year. We're starting to see what's happening now. This was made for the big screen, but it was um, acquired by Netflix last year. Mm. So this is um, what I would say, I suppose, in, in saying that is the animation is top class in it. It's lovely looking. It's really colourful. Um, nothing I didn't like about it, really. It's no, great. sounds like you loved it. It's, a, it's yeah. a, it, like it's a weepy movie. It's a bring the tissues movie. It's it's well, you know what it is. It's not as good as Pixar's up. I'm not putting it up there or yeah. anywhere near it. But I think it's one of those things that Pixar can do when you're sitting watching a film with a child and their tears are rolling down your face. And the kid looks at you and goes, what's wrong with you, daddy? Yes. <laughs> you know, um, because you're both enjoying it on completely different levels and it's that dual storytelling power okay. that has that here. I yeah. Think okay, well, that's good. That's good. That's good. All right. So that's uh, uh, Vivo. That's in. Uh, that's on Netflix uh, uh, from today. Uh, finally, Fanula, um, uh, for people who are fans of Strictly, uh, it's going to be a breakthrough year for Strictly. A breakthrough year, yeah. It's uh, the first year they're having an all-male partnership on the show. So last year, if people watched uh, Nicola Adams, the boxer, she was paired up with a female pro dance partner. Um, This year, we have John Waite. He won Great British Bake Off in 2012. Um, He is being matched up with a pro male dance partner. So there you go. Um, The rest of the lineup, there's been, they're kind of drip-feeding the lineup so far, but we have Tom Fletcher, who people know for McFly. He's also written a load of kids' books. Um, AJ Odudu, I think she's would be better known in the UK. She's like kind of a presenter gal. Then we have Robert Webb, who people will obviously know from that Michelin Webb look, Peep Show. And uh, Reese Stevenson, again, probably not that well-known around here. He's a CBBC presenter in the UK. So, and then John White, obviously, as I mentioned. So. Okay, that's not a great, like, it's not huge not, names. No, it's every year I think the lineup is going to grab me and make me watch because I'm a reality TV fiend and I feel like Strictly fans are, if they're, they're so into Strictly, just never grabs me. I don't know. Yeah, me neither. Uh, <laughs> no. But then again, just many things don't grab me, it must be said. Uh, thank you all very much uh, for coming in. A, a joy as ever, uh, Esther, Leslie and Fanula. Uh, that's our lot uh, for today. Uh, the hashtag was particularly excellent today. Marion Gate Movies, 10 Things I Hate About UN uh, being another example. Our production team today, Marisa Sullivan, Aidan McKelvey and Michael Quilgan. Kieran's up next on News Talk. We'll talk to you on Monday at two o'clock. See you then. Movies and Booze on Moncrief. Brought to you by Lidl's award-winning wine range. Lidl, more for you. Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie.